This is Bloomberg Business Week with Carol Masser on Bloomberg Radio. All right, everybody. It is Monday, October 19th. This is Bloomberg Business Week. Carol Masser along with Paul Sweeney. And our next guest understands the real estate world big time. He understands politics. He understands making a difference and really creating a more equal and just world. That's because he has worked and seen the world from many different perspectives. And I'm delighted to have back with us Don Peebles, founder, chairman, and CEO of the Peebles Corporation. is a privately held national real estate investment and development uh, company with a multi-billion dollar portfolio of projects. They're in New York, Boston, Philly. D.C., San Francisco, L.A. Don also served on the National Finance Committee of President Barack Obama on the board of the Greater Miami Convention and Visitors Bureau and is the former chairman of the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation. I told you, he sees the world from a lot of different perspectives. He joins us on the phone from Sag Harbor. Don, nice to have you back with us. How are you? Good, Carol. How are you? Doing okay, doing okay. You know, here we are in terms of still dealing, certainly with uh, the virus, uh, watching the election just a couple of weeks away. Um, talk to us, first of all, in terms of the real estate environment and what you're seeing right now. I know when we talked to you in the past, we've certainly seen, um, depending on the asset class, depending on the location, some parts of our real estate market take a big, big hit. How are we? What are you seeing? You know, interestingly enough, we're still seeing a lot of tailwinds for single-family real estate. I think single-family homes are very strong. Interest rate surge at historic lows. And so it's propelling a lot of buyers who are able to do that and take advantage of it or out in the market buying. So that continues to be a bright spot. I think we're seeing um, in some places what was very interesting is in Los Angeles, the condo sales market is actually doing well. And uh, it's a surprising bright spot in the marketplace. And uh, and that's, again, because people uh, want to get out of their cars. They want to live closer to where they work. And, uh, and their economy is beginning to open back up. I think the challenge in the industry in, in real estate overall will be the obvious, which is retail, brick-and-mortar retail. And uh, hospitality sectors are, mm-hmm. are being very challenged right now. And the office is kind of a wait and see right now. Hey, Don, as you're well aware, there's this uh, existential uh, discussion going on, argument going on about the future of New York City. Does it have a future? How bright is it? Uh, What are your thoughts? Well, of course, I think New York City definitely has a future, and it will always be a bright future. It's a city of eight and a half million people. That being said, about 100,000 residents have left Manhattan. Uh, which is a significant number out of 2 million uh, residents. Um, I think what we're seeing in New York, though, is a a perpetuation and continuation of a trend that was beginning to happen before, and it started with uh, the SALT. Once the state and local income tax deductions were taken away, it started encouraging more high-net-worth individuals to relocate to more tax-friendly environments. And then there was a diminishment of quality of life. The city got a bit dirtier, crime was creeping up a little bit. And then with this pandemic, it has accelerated that. So I think on the high-end, ultra-luxury side, uh, the residential market is going to struggle. The, the sales volume for residential condos is down significantly, and vacancy rates are at you know um, uh, all-time highs. Um, right now, vacancy rates for apartments in Manhattan or New York City as a whole are over 5%, which is a, a very big number. And, uh, and, then, and then there is about almost 20 million square feet of sublet office space. So we're seeing a shift 
And, and what we're also seeing now is millennials uh, coming of age, of having, of being married, having kids, and seeking out places that are more conducive uh, to that, where the public school systems are more predictable and uh, a little better quality of life and lower cost. So I think we're going to see a shift of what New York City looks like. Um, we're going to see that sh- that shift is happening now, and and I think New York is going to become it will become much more affordable for younger people. And I think it'll you know one of the silver linings of New York is it'll attract younger and more creative people uh, there because it'll be more cost effective. Well, so what does it also then mean for you've got the gateway cities and then you've got secondary and tertiary cities? I mean, is that where you want to be investing at this point? Maybe not the gateway cities so much or, or I don't know. How do you see it, Don? Yeah, I, I think it's very challenging right now to make any kind of strategic yeah. long term investment in New York City. I think if you look at the emerging markets, the ones that are the what would be the tertiary cities that are emerging and are going to become much more dominant players. I would say Charlotte, North Carolina, has significant good news recently. Uh, they just got a new uh, corporate relocation that's going to spend about $2 billion on a headquarters. Um, you have uh, Tennessee, especially Nashville, uh, continuing to do well. South Florida is on a great run, both on the single-family side and attracting more entrepreneurial financial services firms down there. And some of the bigger banks are beginning to look at back of house down there as well. So I, I think that those types of markets, uh, and then some of the others, I think Nevada is going to begin to pick up, and Texas is you know, often doing very well, will continue to do very well. I think it's the New York that's and the Chicago's um, that are, and, and cities, the major gateway cities are going to struggle. Boston being an exception to that because life sciences and the strong intellectual capital in that marketplace are saving it from what would be catastrophic results like what New York is beginning to see right now. Hmm. So, Don, just uh, quickly, tax, you mentioned the tax policy. What can states like New York and New Jersey and some others do? I mean, they just simply try to get more efficient? A combination of things. I mean, I think that I mean, we, they, New York has to recognize and New Jersey has to recognize that they are losing residents by the moment. I mean, we just uh, launched a new private club in Miami Beach called the Bath Club, which is a, a private beach club. And we are getting, you know, flooded by applications of people coming from New York, relocating down, you know, just kind of almost for the moment. So they've got to sit. So New York, New, uh, New York, New Jersey have to recognize They've got to compete for residents. So they've got to be much more efficient and take a, a fresh look at what role the government has, especially in New York City. What is the role of a municipal government? It can't be everything to everybody. It's yes. got to right-size its workforce quickly, um, and, and, it's, and, and this administration has been reluctant to do that. Mm. And then I think it has to take, think about longer-term tax policy. New York should be in the business of reducing taxes and incentivizing right. uh, job generation. And, and productivity. Don, one thing I wanted to ask you is, and I just got done earlier today doing a real estate panel for Milken, and it was with global real estate leaders. And one of the participants was Zhang Jin, who is the founder and CEO of Soho China. And she made a point of, you know, there's very few women when it comes to global real estate. And I know we've talked with you before, and there were other participants in the panel, and all white men who said, you know what? There is no diversity when it comes to, to real estate. Are we making any progress, especially with what we 
have seen over the last and the conversations over the last six to seven months in terms of racism and inequalities? Have we are we making any progress on any of this? Um, I think, you know, yes, slowly but surely. Um, If you look at it, think about this. The global head of real estate for Blackstone is a woman and an immensely qualified woman, woman. And I believe that, I mean, as women continue to confront and call out um, the, you know, discriminatory practices, the glass ceiling that they confront, they, those glass ceilings get shattered. Um, as minorities, especially African Americans, uh, call out uh, the systemic discrimination and the American public sees it, then uh, it will get shattered as well. And we're seeing that now with the efforts of J.P. Morgan Chase um, last about a week or so ago announced a $30 billion initiative uh, to support uh, and close the wealth and income gap that African Americans confront. And what was interesting and important about that is that it was J.P. Morgan doing business with black entrepreneurs and providing its products and services to African American individuals. And so we need to do more um, of this in the commercial real estate space by um, freeing up capital. I mean, women and minorities confront obscene obstacles when it comes to access to capital. This almost seventy trillion dollars in private equity and um, and 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 uh, uh, venture capital dollars uh, globally, and less than one point three percent of those dollars go to firms run or owned by women or people of color combined. So we've got a lot of work to do, and I think it starts with access to capital and access to fair opportunity. And the business solutions are that there's an affirmative effort to provide business opportunities and doing business with minorities and women. That's the way I believe uh, Mm -hmm. to change that. So, Don, I guess practically – what, is this a private-public partnership type of scenario in your mind? Because um, it just seems like from a government perspective, there doesn't seem to be much success, if you will, or much uh, impetus to really step things up. No, I mean, wealth and, and, and jobs are, are generated by the private sector. The government has a role. For example, the, the, one of the largest investors, in fact, the largest single investor profile into private equity is uh, public employee and, uh, and, and, and union pension systems. And so there is a public sector to that, but ultimately it's a private sector solution. We're, I mean, for example, we are uh, raising a fund right now for emerging developers uh, that we will invest in emerging developers in some of the key markets around the country. So it's deploying capital. Um, to talented entrepreneurs. But this is a private sector um, challenge and a private sector responsibility. And ultimately, um, the inequities will threaten um, all of our businesses because society won't put up with it. And we're seeing these protests, um, many of which become violent sometimes. And that's because of the tremendous amount of frustration about what people perceive is an inequitable system. And so and to protect capitalism, we in the private sector need to do more to make sure that all of our citizens benefit from the opportunities that capitalism provides. 
So that's a private sector issue. I mean, regardless of who's president or in Congress, this is not, we cannot um, leave this in the hands of the government. Hey, listen, just got about a minute left, Donna, and I think we would be remiss if we didn't ask you, though, about the upcoming election. Um, Whether or not, what your expectations are in terms of the outcome, how it might impact the real estate space. And again, just got about 60 seconds here. Well, I mean, I think that, I mean, their industry is resilient. And um, and so I think as long as interest rates are low, and I think both candidates will do all they can to, to support that, and the Fed will continue to keep interest rates low, I think that, uh, you know, there's a, either one of these candidates, um, you know, the real estate industry is going to find a pathway out because it's a big job generator. All right. We're going to leave it on that note. Hey, Don. Nice to check in with you again. Thank you so much. Um, just great to get your insight on all of this. Don Peebles is chairman and CEO of the Peebles Corporation on the phone, uh, on the phone, excuse me, from Sag Harbor, New York. He also served on the National Finance Committee of President Obama and former chairman of the Congressional Black Caucus Foundation. But, you know, money talks and capitalism can be very persuasive, Paul, as we know, in terms of changing supply chains, who you do business with. And that's how you really bring about, you know, it's such a powerful agent of change. Yeah, absolutely. And it'll be interesting to see how that capitalism is deployed, you know, over the next, uh, call it five to 10 years in the wake Mm -hmm. of this pandemic, uh, entrepreneurs sensing an opportunity perhaps um, in a very disrupted market. Yeah. And I thought it was interesting what he had to say about his consumers, customers, man, they're going to, they're going to talk back if they're not happy with it. Yeah.